Welcome to Austin Action Fest. I am Keisha and I am one of the coordinators for the festival. I'll let Danielle introduce herself. Hi, I'm Danielle Cavanis Weatherford and I am the creative director for the Austin Action Fest. And we have a special guest with us here today. We have Paris Rogers from Afroflix. Hi Hello. Paris, thank you so much for being with us. We are so happy to have you. No problem, nice to be here. So I wanted to start off by um, asking you about Afroflix. Can you tell our audience and tell us um, how you got Afroflix started and why you got it started? <laughs> okay. Um, uh, uh, I I've been in the film and television industry for 30 years plus, and I've worked on over 650 different film and television productions worldwide, not just in Canada, but uh, around the globe. And uh, <clears throat> in the late uh, uh, 90s and early 2000s, uh, I had a film festival called First Take International Student Film Festival. And, and um, uh, at that time, 9-11 had hit and the, the film industry pretty much you know, came to a stumbling stop up here in Canada. I know it, it came to pretty much a halt in the United mm -hmm. States as well. And, um, uh, but during that time period, I was still promoting films at the Cannes Film Festival, uh, Canadian films. And um, uh, uh, somebody, uh, a Japanese producer of all, of all things, who I, who I had befriended, uh, who I'd helped in a business deal uh, prior, uh, came to me because they knew everybody was out of work in Canada. And she asked me, listen, can you, can you scout some locations for me? And I said, sure. Where, do you, uh, uh, where in Canada do you want me to scout? And she goes, oh, no, 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 not in Canada. I need you to go to West Africa. And I thought, uh, okay, <laughs> if you're going to pay the bill, why not? And uh, I went to Ghana, West Africa uh, for the scouting mission, mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> one of many. And um, uh, uh, there was a nice young lady sitting at the business center, uh, uh, and I just could not stop looking at her legs. So all of this mess <laughs> and all, all these past years have all been because of a lovable woman. And uh, so um, that's, how, <laughs> that's how I got involved in, uh, down the road. But I ended up opening, or because or, I'm also the owner and um, executive director for the Toronto African Film and Music Festival. And I mm -hmm. launched that festival because of her. I wanted her, when she came to Canada, to have uh, uh, to be able to work with me on projects, um, <clears throat> and then uh, I was looking for ways to supplement the festival's income, and I was looking closely at what Netflix was doing uh, over a decade ago, mm -hmm. and so I started hatching out a plan. And over the course of a decade, um, uh, uh, I started putting little pieces together, uh, uh, although. Uh, the legal framework for the company and, and that kind of stuff in Canada. Um, and then I started building an international team around the world. Uh, we have offices in Cairo, Egypt. Uh, 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 we're in Ethiopia, obviously. Uh, now uh, we've got, we're, we're in Johannesburg, South Africa. We're in uh, Accra, Ghana. Uh, we're, we're forming ties in Jamaica. We've got ties in the United States now. We've, uh, um, <clears throat> uh, we've got ties into the UK, um, Russia, <laughs> Brazil, um, uh, places I would not even 
imagine. But the, the whole concept of Afroflix came about is because we wanted to do some kind of distribution attachment with our festival here in Canada. Mm -hmm. And uh, somebody brought it to my attention that Nollywood was a big place. And Nollywood, as most people know, uh, in the African community, it, it, out of Nigeria, uh, uh, they're making more movies out of there than ever before. In fact, back 10 years ago, it was India making the most movies uh, through uh, their industry called Bollywood. Mm -hmm. And uh, in Nigeria, they called it Nollywood. Uh, in this, uh, prior to 2020, so in 2019, uh, an average just from the largest production company in Nigeria um, were producing 200 films a month. Wow. So when I looked at that, I thought, wait a minute, how could they be making so many? Oh, about 10 years ago, they were doing 50 films a month. Mm -hmm. um, as of 2019, they're doing 200. Uh, they're surpassed even India. And uh, <clears throat> so I put an international team together with the premise that uh, the only thing that's really not online in a great, uh, in a great abundance is African stories. And if you take a look at what uh, uh, Nigeria is doing in their film industry, and then you start including South Africa and Egypt and Ethiopia, and Ethiopia, by the way, makes is the second uh, uh, country on the continent of Africa that makes uh, that makes most films, but uh, they make about 120 a year. Um, but they have the most uh, ticket sales in, in movie theaters in Ethiopia because the, the films in Ethiopia actually don't even see the light of day beyond their borders because they really don't have uh, uh, the infrastructure. They don't it out. So when I started looking at the bigger picture, I started looking at filmmakers, no matter what part of the world they were, whether they were in France or in the United States or the Bahamas or wherever they were, whatever country, Italy, you know, Australia, wherever. Um, and then just before Christmas, Russia, you got 50,000 Africans living in Russia and they're making films and TV shows up there. Um, uh, I, I soon came to do the number crunch and you're looking at well over 1,500 films and TV programs every month worldwide. So then I kind of looked at the bigger picture of what everybody was doing. And because uh, 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 the African uh, culture is not just one tribe, it's thousands of tribes, yeah. and tens mm -hmm. of thousands of languages. So um, can I ask you really quickly, were, how were you uh, received initially with, it just, was it just, we have stories and we want them beyond the borders of, of where we are and we are so glad that you're interested in what we're doing. How are you received? Um, like in uh, Ethiopia per se. Yeah. When first announced uh, Yurga, uh, who's our guy in Ethiopia for East African operations, and he put it over social media, his social media just blew up. And then all of a sudden the news Press got a hold of it and said, "Well, wait a minute. What is this? You know, what they're going to show Ethiopian films internationally? What is this?" Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so, since there's no really one-stop shop of African stories on any platform, Afroflix mm -hmm. is exclusive to that, and that's the beginning of our cornerstone. Um, um, so, what we're planning on doing is we are buying uh, not just new content but older content as well. 
because if mm -hmm. Google's YouTube can put everything on there and keep it on there for forever, mm -hmm. why can't you? So we want to be able to do that as well. So we want to buy libraries, we want to buy films. Uh, now we're we're not a Netflix, we're not yeah. a Disney or an Amazon, we're not billions of dollars and you know uh, throwing money around, but we do offer more money up front for the films. Ah, but okay. We own the films uh, outright, but we only ask for non-exclusive worldwide rights. I'm sorry. Um, did you say that you all own the films, or that the the filmmaker owns the films? You cut out just. Would you... the, the the filmmakers will retain ownership of their. Okay. Content. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. But what we do is is we buy a a a, a, a non. Uh, uh, well, can't remember the word. Sorry, got guard there. So we want non-exclusive worldwide mm -hmm. rights online only, and we don't care if they make a deal with other companies like Amazon or uh, mm -hmm. you, I, I don't, we don't care about that. Yeah. We don't care about exclusivity because it's not about exclusivity. We don't have millions of dollars to throw away on for one project over another. We're, yeah. we're, what we're interested in doing is building a platform. So no matter what culture you're from in the mm -hmm. Astoria, then you'll be able to go onto our system and watch. And mm -hmm. not only that, you'll be able to see what other African filmmakers are doing mm -hmm. and then team up with them. Mm -hmm. And then down the road, Afflix will start co-producing where, you know, we don't have large budgets. Like the average African film on the continent is spending about 50,000 US. So our target is to shoot feature films for 50,000 US. Now, some people will say, well, that's ridiculous. You can't even buy a cup of coffee in North America for that. <laughs> yeah, you can. You can we, we know you can produce stuff like that. So, yeah. Well, yeah, we, but a gorilla, a gorilla style. Yeah. But <clears throat> if a filmmaker in the States had a project, and I know many now because they all, they're all coming to me, and they say, oh, um, yeah, but you know, we need like 200,000 or we need 100,000. Can't you just bump it up and said, maybe over time? But you got to understand that. <clears throat> Where are you shooting your film? Oh, we're shooting it in Georgia. We're shooting it here. We're shooting it in LA or New York or wherever. I said, why don't you shoot it in South Africa? Because, mm -hmm. you know, $50,000, you go there with 50,000 US. Um, it's not quite a low budget feature, but with the tax credits that the government of South Africa have there, you can top it up and it'll be uh, a feature film, low budget feature film in South Africa. Yeah. So now you do your entire project. Now you may not have the same, you know, background settings, but now you've got an option to shoot in another country uh, uh, and and team up with other cultures and filmmakers and actors and directors and writers. The biggest uh, the biggest thing about uh, uh, the African culture is that there are so many different uh, cultures and different tribes that they're mm -hmm. all advocating for their own space. And, and we love that, mm -hmm. but it's to be able to bridge that gap, to yeah. bring producers and writers and directors and yeah. from different backgrounds, from different African cultures from around the world, not just from one country over another, but from around the world and make it truly uh, a, a universal thing. Mm -hmm. wow. That's wonderful. I was talking to somebody the other day from Liberia with about something very similar that uh that he's interested in that's exactly what you just said 
he would love to bring things over to that area and be able to build that infrastructure out a little bit more for the entertainment business. And that's why a lot of African filmmakers leave the continent of Africa because mm -hmm. they can go somewhere else and, and get a, a, a separate career. They can go into nursing or they can go open up a cafe or they could do something where they're making uh, a livable wage and they could save money and over time save enough money to go back home and shoot their film. Exactly. Mm. To, you know, so that's what a lot of filmmakers end up doing uh, because there's just not a lot of uh, uh, opportunity. Um, Africa will also be very present in South Africa as I, because uh, I've, uh, I've named the country already. Their country is devastated, not just with COVID, but their film industry collapsed two, two years ago. Mm. And uh, everybody ran for the hills and people didn't get paid. And, for you know eight nine months at a time and they'd get like a couple of weeks wages um they still have production down there but it, it it's next to nothing and we want to help bring that back mm -hmm. <clears throat> and the what? way we do that, and the way we do that is to get the support of uh those who will subscribe to afroflix over time Mm -hmm. So I want to ask, I know we started off with talking about Afroflix, like I, I wanted to jump right in and get into that, but where did your love for filmmaking and for the arts and things come in? How, how did that develop for you? Well, you know, um, <clears throat> I have a black book and in my black book, I have a list and that list con contains every film and TV program, episodic TV program I've ever watched in my life. Yeah. It doesn't wow. include, and it does not include all of the, uh, the the programs I've watched two or three times or ten times, um, <clears throat> and I'm well over 150,000 uh, uh, films and TV programs that I've watched. Um, <clears throat> it would be well over 500,000 if if I started saying, "Oh, I watched this one three times, and I watched it four times." And, but over time, it really does add up. People don't realize that. But when I turned 13, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a, a filmmaker. I wanted to be a director, possibly an actor. And I fulfilled those uh, 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 means uh, in the 90s. Um, and I have ongoing productions that I want to do as well. So uh, uh, with me launching Afroflex, uh, um, we are now in the, uh, uh, in the throes of uh, hiring more international team members to come on board to be our associates uh, that'll you know help us do different aspects uh, uh, for uh, Afroflix and its uh, entire system. Um, and then uh, um, uh, we're launching on a platform called Start Engine. I don't mm -hmm. know if you know what that is. It's a it's an equity crowd based funding. So Afroflix yeah. is not up and running yet. We are planning to have something up and running before December of this year. But we were delayed over a year and a half because of COVID. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we, we had a bunch of money in the beginning. Uh, uh, we had all our ducks in a row. We did all the paperwork. Everything was ready to go a, a year March. And then, you know, uh, the scare of COVID happened and the markets uh, lost $3 trillion. And what little yeah. money we had put aside from a couple of investors disappeared overnight. So, and, you know what, can I ask? I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. I want to, I want to, you, you've got me. I know we're coming back to Afroflix, but I, I just can't, I can't get this one little thing out of my head because you said your black book and that black book, I'm, I'm going, what made you want to even start writing the black book? Where? Um, it was in my early days. Yeah. 
uh, uh, working in the film industry. Uh, in, as I started in 1990 officially, yeah. I started working security, and it was always overnight shifts, always because unless it was a night shift, then we'd work days. But I'd be working uh, six, seven days a week. Uh, it was a flat hourly wage, but it was a lot better than minimum wage back then. Um, and uh, we had time to kill. And then one day I thought, hmm, I wonder how many films I watched. I don't know. It just popped in my head and I started writing down. And I thought, well, okay, let's list all the films I watched with Arnold Schwarzenegger or let's look uh, <laughs> with Goldberg. And let's look at, you know, would you pick them apart? Would you like take a look at the way they directed, what the locations were? Because Well, I, 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 I did over time. Okay. Uh, I did over time. But once I started, uh, 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 once I started uh, in the industry as yeah. just plain security, watching, you know, street cones or trucks or whatever, um, a lot of the times I actually wouldn't go home at the end of my shift. Mm. I'd actually wait and watch the crews work. I'd watch the electrics, mm-hmm. you know, get their gear out and I'd ask questions about it. And I'd annoy everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we all said, I've got our way, you know, kind of deal. Um, uh, uh, you know, and then uh, finally, um, somebody came up to me, the transportation captain who had hired me says, you have a driver's license? It's legal? I said, uh, yeah. He goes, okay, you're hired. Come on over here. And I said, uh, what am I doing? Well, <laughs> part of uh, IATSE uh, 873, uh, you have to go to the office tomorrow, sign paperwork. Right now, get in that motorhome, you're driving with me. And that's, you know, then all of a sudden I got into the, the Director's Guild of Canada and then, you know snowballed from there and then I started mm. doing scouting and, and, and stuff like that um, and then when 9-11 hit uh, uh, no work here so then all of a sudden you know uh, within a month of 9-11 I was on a plane to Japan meeting the, the Japanese producer and it was in Tokyo and then or Osaka and then went to Tokyo then they sent me out to Madrid and then to Ghana and then I went into uh, Sierra Leone and you know so I, I started bouncing around mm-hmm. um, and then I started a student festival and Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, and went on from there and started promoting Canadian films. So I made a lot of international connections that way. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. And so I was basically living on an airplane for many years because I was traveling everywhere for anybody. You know, they're willing to put a paycheck and pay my way. You know, the international travel. I was there, and so they would just pick up the call. A lot of times, I'd be in a country. Uh, when I was uh, in Ghana the second time, I got called by uh, a producer from the BBC and said, hey, we're shooting a commercial in North Ghana. Can you go up there and smooth things over? And all of a sudden, I found myself in a convoy of trucks <laughs> going up to northern Ghana in the Sahara Desert to secure it for a Land Rover commercial, you know? So it just wow. happened to be in the area, you know? And, yeah. and I, knew the, I knew a lot of the people there. So That's fascinating. That's very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I like I like that. I like to know the history because to me, the history connected to what you're trying to do right now, right, kind of mixes together and 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 the the mission, the vision of of what is somewhere in there as well. So, yeah, very very cool. Very very cool. Um, I know you mentioned. Um, let me make sure I say it right. Toronto African Film and Music Festival. Is that right? okay? I know you mentioned that. Can you talk to us too about your connection to that festival um, and what you do for that festival? Uh, well, I own it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I'm also the director and I pretty much programmed the entire festival. Um, wow. uh, I've, had guest, uh, I've had guest programmers in the past um, uh, and we've seen films from 
uh, 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 at-risk youth in the largest refugee camp in northern Uganda to uh, full-blown feature productions out of South Africa and uh, out of New York or LA or uh, we've had films from all over. The place. We haven't had any films from Russia though. I didn't even realize mm -hmm. up there until last November but um, and uh, we didn't do the festival last year because of COVID. Uh, we're not planning to do the festival this year unfortunately because I'm spending most of my time on to get Afflux up and going mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's such a massive beach that it's taken a, a lot of my energy and, and a, a lot of energy of all my team and everything. Um, uh, and um, uh, But prior to that, uh, I've also been hired to travel to guest speak uh, for uh, African distribution uh, within North America, uh, per se. Um, uh, the last time I was out was in Egypt. And uh, that's why I met my contacts have, uh, 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 were the Ministry of, e uh, Ministry of Culture in Egypt for the film studies uh, uh, paid for me to go up there to speak for an hour on a, on a panel. And I was there for a week and got to see the pyramids and everything. So it was pretty cool. I got to ride a camel. I mean, as soon as I saw the camel, I said, I want to ride that. <laughs> so um, uh, it, it, it's so many experiences, so many, I mean, as, as a filmmaker, I think that every filmmaker should travel somewhere around the world at least once a year no matter mm -hmm. what because it's going to have such a great impact on their stories mm -hmm. and their experiences and the people they're going to meet um uh, um uh it's it, it's it's a very tremendous thing to do i've never been to africa i would love to go to africa i would never yeah yeah love you your eyes went up yeah it's a lot of black people that have never been to africa you know so <laughs> I'm it, one of those people. <laughs> um, uh, 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 when you go into uh, the different areas of, of the, on the African continent, it's yeah. very, very different from North America. Mm. That's one of the reasons why I think uh, all filmmakers, not, not just African filmmakers, but I, I believe all filmmakers should travel. Uh, okay. And not just from festival to festival. I mean, like, do some travel and, and take a look at uh, uh, what's around and, and there happens to be a film playing even if you don't understand the language go and see it yeah. go see the style because the number of the massive a number of films uh, uh from african content specifically uh here here's some stats for you uh, uh out of the 1500 productions worldwide that are being produced every year uh, back in 2019 or sorry every uh, month in 2019 uh, less than 10% uh, get into any kind of festival and less than 5% even really hit any kind of distribution outside of their own country. Correct. Yeah. I'm right so with you there. We're going to change. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. We are, uh, we have that same passion, by the way, very, very similar passion. Um, you know, I have a question with regards to the, the business um, conversations. Mm -hmm. that you have that um, might be different from a U.S. or Canadian standpoint and, you know, maybe even a British standpoint, um, what, what that's like when it comes to what you're dealing with, with the, diff with the market over there. Here's an, here's an example, okay? Uh, I mentioned Ethiopia earlier. Uh, we, I was on a, a phone call with Ethiopia and the uh, Minister of uh, Culture there, and they want to bring me over there to introduce Africa into that country. Um, uh, uh, right now, because the film industry is pretty much dead still, 
there's no movie theaters open. There's no way. None of the filmmakers are making any money. So all they do, all but they do have content that they're sitting. Yeah. With. But they've made their money already through putting their movies in the theaters. Mm-hmm. But because they can't shoot right now, and because they don't have any, you know, there's there's no mechanisms uh, there. Even though in North America we're still shooting, um, uh, but I, I know productions in Canada has uh, they've been shooting since last July for a number of TV shows that are in North, for North America, mm-hmm. and we haven't had a single case of COVID, not not one single case. Um, uh, so, but you can't count like you you can't count that in countries like Ethiopia or, or otherwise, because their focuses are are, are much different than uh, than the economies that we face. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Ethiopia is one of the richest nations in, on the African continent, but they're, uh, uh, they've got a three tribal, uh, uh, three major tribes in Ethiopia, and they're all fighting, they're all battling for power, and the smallest tribe currently is in power. And mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, late last year, um, uh, an activist uh, unfortunately got murdered by three individuals from another tribe. Mm-hmm. And uh, social media started blowing up, and the country turned off the internet for three weeks uh, oh. because it ended up uh, it, it ended up coming out that uh, um, uh, certain parties, certain major powers, I won't say who they are, but north of Ethiopia, um, were going onto their system and trying to incite a civil war because that's the way this one country makes money is by arms. And so the government there turned off the internet to, to quell the, you know, to quell the people. They found the three individuals, by the way. Um, and um, uh, the, the government's still in place, it's still in power, everything, you know, has calmed down. Now they're just dealing with COVID. Um, but uh, the other thing, the, 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 the problems that the filmmakers are having in Ethiopia currently is that they're sitting on content and the TV stations that are in uh, uh, Ethiopia are going, hey, you have some content, we'll buy it for you. That way, at least you have some money coming in. And the filmmaker goes, oh, okay, how much? Well, we'll offer you 3,000 US for exclusive worldwide rights. Mm-hmm. And they lose, they lose their content completely. $3,000 for exclusive rights? Huh. For films that have already been shown in their theaters, obviously, yeah. but uh, the, the TV stations will, will hold them for years to come and just keep playing it without paying, you know, for right or whatever, right? Well, you know, we're going to be walking in and saying, hey, how'd you like to sell your film for non-exclusive worldwide rights for like right. uh, $6,000? And they're like, well, wait, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Better so, deal. <laughs> yeah. so, um, uh, 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 so Afroflix can be and will be um, uh, a lifeline for a lot of these uh, uh, filmmakers that are out there that, that, that can't work or uh, are unable to work because of uh, uh, the, the world economics and the you know the pandemics going on. Uh, so it's more important than ever for somebody like Afroflix to step onto the world stage and make a difference. Does Afroflix accept all genres, or do you just go after particular genres? Nope, nothing. As long the only the only qualifications we have, uh, <clears throat> no political, <clears throat> no mm, understandable. Uh, unless it's like a drama or something like that part of the storyline. Um, and uh, as long as it's available worldwide, non-exclusive rights. Mm-hmm. If they're in a, one country, if it's just in one country that has exclusive rights, even on the internet, 
we can't, we're not able to do anything. If we were a Netflix where we had, you know, a lot of money coming in, you know, we can just spend on a whim, uh, we might be able to do something, but we're, you know, we have to stream, we're, we're trying to streamline this so that we can help as many filmmakers worldwide as humanly possible. And so that uh, the entire dysphoria around the world, no matter where you are, you can go to afroflix.com uh, over the next couple of years, because we'll be in 190 different countries. So mm -hmm. when we do that, <clears throat> they'll be able to go there and see uh, films from back home if they, if they don't want no longer there, expats, you know, stuff like that. Um, uh, so it's, um, uh, it's a needed thing, I think. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a community effort. And you'll find that uh, Afroflix is not just another streaming company. We're a community. And, that's, uh, and, and what I mean by that is that you will not find another streaming company that's anywhere near close to what we're doing. We have competition. All streaming companies are our competition. But there's no real one source where you can go to get everything, A, from all African storytellers worldwide. B, <clears throat> we are going to be sponsoring within the first year of us uh, being up and running. Uh, we'll be sponsoring over 500 different African film and music festivals worldwide. Wow. That way we go straight into the communities. We're not going to say, oh, yeah, let's get this big wig celebrity for a million dollars so they can promote Afroflakes and you know, and that's the end of it. No, well, why would we give one person a million when we can, you know, give a half a million to 500 different film festivals around the world that could really use the money to help for their programming and their guests and their speakers and whatever else they need. Uh, and then we get straight out there in the community. So we don't have to spend millions and billions of dollars of advertising to be number one out there. We don't need to do that because it'll just happen overnight organically. Yep, it's the community voice. Yeah. That does that. Yes, it's part and of that. And down the road, we're going to be uh, getting our hands involved. Obviously, we're going to be helping South Africa try to rebuild their industry down there a little bit at a time over the next few years. Um, uh, we're also going to be uh, launching a, uh, a foundation through Afroflex. Uh, we're going to be starting in the, uh, similar to what an NGO who came to us for support um, uh, who do, um, uh, they uh, they bring education and equipment to teach at-risk youth in the largest refugee camp in, in, in northern Uganda. Uh, uh, and we've seen the films that these young people are making, and they're really great. They're really, really remarkable for what, uh, for what, they, what they have. And so we want to mimic that, and we don't just want to do it in the refugee camps, but over time, we want to be able to spread Afroflix around the world into different communities where there's at-risk youth, where if they want training to, to, for a film and new media, we want to be able to provide it. And, and, this, uh, um, uh, and this program will be fully paid for through Afroflix. It will be not, I mean, we may have many partners in the area, uh, but uh, the overall meat and potatoes of the program would be sponsored by us because it's just a, it's just a, a, an outreach from the community being able to uh, 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 pay a monthly streaming fee so they, they, they can see content all the time. And that money is being used to go right back into the communities where they're, you're not going to find a single streaming platform out there anywhere that has anywhere near uh, uh, an outreach that we were planning to do. Wow. 
Fantastic. Yeah, you got a lot of passion. I can hear it in your voice and you've done a lot of research. And um, uh, I bet there are um, American companies mm-hmm. that um, might be interested in talking to you about some other partnerships with that out there. So well, I would love to hear from them because, uh, like I said earlier, um, we're about to launch on a, uh, a platform called Start Engine. And mm-hmm. uh, I know many people, many of your viewers and listeners uh, know about crowdfunding. And there's three levels of crowdfunding. One is by donation. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, or help me donate. You know, I've got to buy a new kidney or something. Uh, sorry, I don't mean buy a new kidney. Get an operation or whatever. Um, and then you've got, uh, you know, I have a brand new product. You can buy it 60% less if you pre-buy it. So that way they have capital to grow their business. And then you have equity crowdfunding. And that's what we're doing with Afroflix. So film festivals and the film community at large or anybody will be able to go on to Start Engine uh, uh, very shortly um, and they'll be able to buy a piece of us uh, and to help us grow because we're trying to, uh, you know, raise uh, money on that platform. Uh, and then if there's anybody who wants to partner with us uh, for things down the road, uh, and I don't mean just, you know, uh, we're going to throw financing their way to shoot a film or something like that. I mean, uh, if there are internet companies of the board that want to team up with us, or if there's production companies that want to team up and somehow, uh, um, uh, and, you know, we're opened up we're open to any kind of possibility. I want to also ask you this when we get to the very end, but I, I and I'm, I love that Danielle brought up that question, but if someone wants to reach out to you or find you, where can they go to find you or contact you? Uh, well, I am on LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, I'm on there. Uh, so people can send me a message that way or ask to befriend, uh, befriend me. Uh, they could also go to uh, uh, afroflix.com. Uh, we, uh, our general email box is uh, info at afroflix.com. Um, and uh, that would be the two uh, best ways to contact us. Um, uh, my email gets so plugged, my personal email will <laughs> get so plugged, uh, I'm, uh, I'm going through like 150 emails a day now. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And, that, and that, that's not even spam. I can't even tell you how much spam we have. So, um, uh, yeah, so there's, there's lots of different opportunities with Africlix. And if, uh, if people have ideas uh, they want to bring to the table that, you know, we want to uh, go down, uh, down the road with uh, that we can facilitate or maybe look at, uh, we're open to any kind of opportunities. Wonderful. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Wow. Well, I know that... Um, Something that we talked about is I can hear your passion that you have for helping other people, helping filmmakers, um, wanting people to be able to get their content out there. So yeah. this same passion that you have for other people, it transfers to little people too. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? <laughs> please, please, please talk to us about how you got started with being a Santa Claus. How'd that come about? <laughs> Yes, I'm a professional Santa. I have been for 14 years. That's awesome. Uh, it's only been the last few years that uh, I've used my own beard. Uh, as you can see, it's uh, getting nice and big. I usually shave it off in January and then start growing it back. Um, I have to whiten up my, my cheeks a little bit because it still, uh, it still won't give up <laughs> around my mustache. I, and I, and I got to confess, I, I, um, I don't know how you ladies do it getting your hair oh, done with the yeah. hair done thing yeah <laughs> but just the the fumes everything 
but I mean, I have it worse because I have it around my mouth and nose. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Sometimes it depends on how old it, you get. It kind of, but no, we won't go there. And it just <laughs> goes in there and just stings my sinuses and oh my oh. god, mm. worth it because I, I I get to see uh, thousands of uh, young kids and, and, and adults at Christmas time. Not last Christmas, unfortunately, but uh, the Christmas mm -hmm. 2019 was a record year for me as a Santa. Uh, I think I had over uh, 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 close to 5,000 uh, uh, photographs taken with me, the ones I know about, and uh, uh, all the promotional stuff that we did up here in Canada and stuff like that. Uh, uh, it, it, it's, uh, it means a great deal. And uh, that's something, even though I have Afroflakes in my film stuff and film festival going and whatever else, I always take December off and, uh, because that's what I do is, you know, I like to spread uh, uh, the joy to the kids and, and to make people. I love Santa Claus. Um, <laughs> what, what's I do? I'm a, I'm a big Santa anyway. Uh, my kids still see Santa, and they're 18 and 12. So I just I had a young lady uh, 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 12 years ago come to me, and uh, she was in her early 20s, and she came to me and she goes, "I want to sit on your lap," and I don't really let any <laughs> yeah. sit on my lap. But I said, "Okay." <laughs> And she sat in my lap and she gave me a big kiss on, uh, on the cheek and she confessed to me that she had just got diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh. And you're going to be my good luck charm this year. And so I anticipated waiting for her for, for the, uh, the following Christmas and she showed up and uh, she said, I beat it. Oh, yes. It was the uh, greatest feeling. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's close to my heart. I understand. I've, I've battled yeah. that so I understand what that feeling is. She kept coming back year after year, and she followed me around. Uh, my number one fan, Tabitha, uh, uh, she just turned 30. Uh, she's, a, uh, um, uh, she's in a wheelchair for life, and she's got uh, mental disabilities and stuff like that. Mm. But once she saw me about five years ago, mm -hmm. doesn't matter what other Santa she sees, that's not Santa. That's not Santa. That's, yeah. And she'll whine and complain until she sees me. So her parents get me on that, you know, on the phone and say, here he is. And they just recently moved to Arizona from, from Canada for the warmer weather for, uh, for their daughter. So I won't even be able to get to see her at Christmas time anymore because she's down there and I'm up here. Mm. But we we'll do the Zoom uh, call and, you know, we talk on a regular basis. So, yeah, it's, uh, it means a lot to me. Wow. You have a big... Um, so, so, you know, those are... You do. So, you know, I know the breast cancer and, and Tabitha are, I know are, are very close to your, have a special place. I want to ask, is there another cool ask that you've, that, that resonates with you from any other, like, like a child, like something that, do they want an airplane? I don't know, something that's. No, uh, I, I've seen a big change over the, four, the last 14 years, because obviously, you know, we're in the digital age and everybody's got yeah. And tablets and everybody that's what they you know kids oh, I can't, I can't. but i have to say <clears throat> for the for the youngest uh, the youngest uh, uh, the little girls mm -hmm. uh, under 10 years old when they when they're asking for something and i'm saying hey uh what would you like a new doll a new puzzle what would you like no 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 i uh, uh, i want a car or i i want something you know and it just boggles my mind how they're now starting to want what the male population wanted back then. Mm. Uh, so it, 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 a big tide of that has changed where the, the young ladies are more into 
the technology, uh, the technological, uh, uh, technology I can stuff. See that. I can uh, do that. And um, uh, uh, or they want uh, um, uh, 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 scientific books or whatever uh, yeah. that they're very much interested. Or in. you know, one young lady said, "I want to become an architect," and she was nine years old. And her father came to me and said, <clears throat> I don't know where she got the idea from because no one in our family are architects. We don't design nothing. We don't, we're not creative people. You know, we all work in factories, but she wants to be an architect for some reason. So we're going to flame the passion, you know. Oh. So uh, um, there's lots of, uh, I, I, you see the change for sure. Uh, yeah. I've seen the, the changes over time. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, um, I was going to ask Tabitha, what Tabitha has asked for before. That'd be interesting too. So that Tabitha is your buddy. So she's been around for a while and asking you. So what that's changed into. Um, well, no, I, she, she pretty much uh, with her mental difficulties, she's, she's got the, uh, she'll never uh, get beyond the age of five. So that's you, still, Hey, that still has a huge imagination. There's lots oh, of creativity yeah, there. Her, fa her favorite stuff is Peppa Pig. Oh, I love Peppa Pig. I'm, I'm right with her. <laughs> So that, I love that, Peppa Pig. That she likes, and Christmas is her actually her favorite time of the year. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> One time she came to me uh, where uh, I was at a function. I didn't realize she was going to be there, and they uh, came up, and her mom said that, uh, we couldn't settle her down. She really wanted to come see you, so and she just seen me the day before, and mm -hmm. she came over, and, and they gave me like a, a big thing of cookies. And a big bag of carrots for uh, for the reindeers and and you know a lot of other things and I was just like wow this is oh thank you very much you know so um, yeah so it's uh it's interesting it's interesting well thank uh, you for doing all that I mean, that's that's to move a child's heart because that's that's where we try to strive to be still to be young and and vivacious because we get we're living in this serious world and to have somebody like you that still yeah. brings that gleam of joy to people's life that's very cool. I've actually been shooting a documentary about being Santa. Oh, that's cool. Uh, uh, two years ago, uh, one of my my best and closest friend uh, passed away from cancer, mm. uh, right in the middle of my Santa duties. So I had to make sure I was bright and cheery the next day. Mm. Uh, uh, there's, uh, um, I think the hardest, uh, the, the most difficult story was where, um, uh, a, a mother and son and the son was really really big for his age um uh, i don't know how old he was uh he may have been about 15 but he was super tall and uh, uh he wasn't uh, obese or anything but he very big guy and the mother wanted him to sit on my knee but he was well he, he would have to be at least 100 kilos or something or better and that would that would you know it's going to crush my knee and and you know there was some conflict that way uh, but the other uh, story that comes to mind is uh, when Canada was, because I'm based in Toronto, Canada, um, we, were, uh, we were bringing in a lot of refugees from Syria. Mm -hmm. okay. and, and this family, a mother with four kids, kept circling where I was, in the location where I was. And um, they didn't know who I was. They've never heard of Santa. They don't know about Christmas or nothing. Well, they're a different faith, first of all. Mm -hmm. Because obviously is within the uh, the Christianity uh, faith uh, uh, timeline, and uh, so the the one of the youngest uh, little boy came up to me in the family says <clears throat> in broken English, 
<clears throat> because nobody else in the family knew English and they asked me who I was and I had to kind of try to explain <laughs> you know here I give cameo and I you know, all this kind of stuff so it, it was a, a big culture clash for sure and uh, that's something I really enjoy when I when I do my travels and I'm going to enjoy when I go to uh, to uh, uh, Ethiopia uh, coming in late summer because it's, uh, uh, it's it's a chance to see a new culture uh, yeah. chance to see how you know they actually do things over there you know meet the filmmakers uh, uh, so they can tell me their stories so that mm -hmm. hopefully we can broadcast and tell their stories on our platform very cool um, as we get ready to wind the interview down, I wanted to ask, because I know we've talked about a lot of different things, we've gone a lot of different places. Was there anything that you wanted to make sure that you shared anything about what you do or Afroflix or anything like that, that we haven't asked that, that asked yet that you want to get out? Um, I think at this point in time, um, uh, we're, we're seeking partnerships. Okay. We're communication we're, we're, we're uh, we want to be able to team up with film festivals like I said we're not launched yet but uh, the idea of, uh, of uh, Afroflix um, it doesn't just resonate with the film industry because once we get Afroflix off the ground and we, we start encroaching into like 190 different countries worldwide with African content from all over <clears throat> imagine what we could do for music or fashion. Mm -hmm. Education, mm -hmm. you know, so it, it's a much bigger picture than anybody actually realizes. In fact, a lot of my staff, you know, I don't tell them the whole picture because I think they'd be afraid and run the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but uh, we're looking to expand. We're looking for, you know, people that would like to help spread the word through their social media platforms and stuff like that. Um, uh, um, uh, and uh, I think that's the, the most important thing right now is just to get the word that we're coming. Uh, be prepared, we're coming. We're gonna have a lot of content over time. Uh, it's not gonna be a lot in the beginning, but as we move forward, and uh, the most important thing is, is uh, um, um, if, if anybody wants to be, to be part of Afroflix, either as, an, you know, uh, as a festival supporter or as a, um, uh, somebody who wants to buy a few shares in Afroflakes over Start Engine when we launch there very shortly, uh, then they, they have that opportunity to do so uh, because it's the will of the people. It's not the will of the big bankers. It's the mm -hmm. one thing that I've told the, the few investors that we have uh, is that we are not going to be a public company because once that happens, it, it's, it just becomes a company that wants to print money. And it's not mm -hmm. a company that wants to do good within the community uh, internationally. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we asked you if there was any one piece of wisdom that you wanted to make sure that you shared with the audience. And you told us, don't let anyone, no matter what, tell you you can't follow your creative path. Can you tell yeah. us what exactly? And I know you've kind of gone into that your whole time you've been talking. But what specifically does that mean to you personally? Don't give up. If you've got something, you have a vision, you really want to uh, work it through. <clears throat> uh, some people are lucky enough and they meet the right person and, and they, uh, you know, uh, they get their project, they get money for their project or they get help on their project. Uh, there are other folks out there um, uh, that work, you know, for, for a decade, sometimes two decades to be able to do something. I mean, Afroflix was a concept I came up with 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. so, and you know, and and I was only ready to start going in 2019. 
um, <clears throat> um, follow your passion. Uh, I know everybody's got, you know, to put a roof over their head and, and food in their mouth and make sure their families are safe and, and, and you know, get your education and stuff like that. Um, I, had a, uh, I had a student who came to me with a, a student film many years ago and says, uh, um, and they were, and he was from Bosnia and he had come to Canada for education. Uh, and he, uh, he was going, well, you know, I'm being pressured by my family to quit film school because I don't think it'll come, it won't be of anything use to me. And I told him, I said, well, compromise. Why don't you get your English degree on top of that? That way it gets your parents off your back because you've got something to fall back on. And then you can still do your film school. Well, now he's one of the you know uh, more popular celebrities in Bosnia for filmmaking and on TV shows. Um, uh, so he was able to follow his passion, but also mm -hmm. have a you know a compromise for a backup so his family would continue paying for his education so that he could follow his dreams. Um, not everybody has those opportunities. Uh, some people really struggle. Talk yeah. to a filmmaker uh, uh, just north of Atlanta. Uh, about a month ago, he was struggling. He lost his son uh, to violence. He uh, 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 he was living out of his car, and you know, and and so uh, I'm in communication with him on a regular basis to you know keep his spirits up because he really wants to keep shooting films. Uh, but he's had a rough go of it, and and not everybody's got a place to live, and not everybody you know, especially during these times. Yeah. But we have to rely on each other. We have to support each other, whether it's helping somebody with a meal or having a spare couch for somebody, you know, to crash on for a few days or whatever. Um, uh, every little bit helps everywhere. So it doesn't matter. Uh, there was a, a comment that was made on social media uh, about a week ago, and somebody mentioned uh, um, uh, Jeff Bios. And he said, well, he's worth $190 billion. And there's only 7 billion people on the planet, roughly. And if he were to give a billion dollars to every one of those people, he'd still be worth you know, $183 billion. Um, you know, so there are folks that can help other folks, whether you're mm -hmm. a filmmaker or entrepreneur one way or another. Uh, we've got to support our local businesses, our, small, you know, our restaurants and, and whatnot, because that's the only way we're going to be able to get through all of this and get back to the uh, the art of making films and to tell our stories. Uh, there's always an avenue where you can go. Network, network, network. It's the only way any filmmaker is gonna make a career for themselves. Because if you stay at home and play video games or just shoot a couple of films and edit them because you think they're so, you're, you, you think you're so hot, but then you never get into a film festival because you're not networking enough to, to know what else is out there. Um, it's all about environment. Mm -hmm. uh, environment has everything to do in life. That's the first rule of all life on this planet. No matter if you're a human being or a bug or a mammal or whatever, it's all about the environment that you've, you've grown up in. Uh, and then the next, the next biggest thing in life is networking. As a baby, when you're hungry, you cry, or you go to wet diaper, you cry. That's the way you're networking to your, your family to, to get help. So that's the same ways we have to live our lives, uh, in my opinion, uh, no matter how old you are, and uh, no matter what you're doing. And that's why I love coming on these kinds of programs, mm -hmm. to get the message out about Afroflix, 
We're a year and a half behind schedule because of COVID, but mm -hmm. we have a solid team behind us. We have people that are uh, uh, that are teaming up with us around the world. We've got international governments that now want to, you know, uh, focus their efforts and help us get launched, uh, such as like Ethiopia per se, where we can, you know, really boost up their film industry or South Africa in the next few years. So um, it shouldn't be any different in any part of the world, in any country, no matter what. Yeah, I know I've heard you say because um, because of COVID, uh, and I'm sure that, that's been on the lips of a lot of filmmakers this year. I've heard them say you know that several times. I'm hoping that for all of us, we'll be able to get back to some kind of normalcy, start creating like, you know, like before, get things out and everything. But yeah, you, 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 what you were saying too, I was going to say that that's something that we've said as well, as far as like networking, getting a network together, connecting with other people, connecting with other filmmakers. That is a lot of really good advice. <laughs> Hopefully people are listening and they're taking that all in. Um, Danielle, was there anything that you wanted to ask or anything we didn't touch just yet that you wanted to say? Um, no, other than you know, we have a multi, um, a mutual love of connecting to an environment and uh, communities that are unrepresented or they have content that is not put out there. Other people aren't seeing it. And, mm -hmm. and we, wanna, we wanna reach audiences and give a voice to people um, in, in places that um, are untapped, unrecognized, and also have uh, be able to monetize in ways that they were ignored before. And so, um, um, and uh, what it's, what go ahead that uh, we're, we're hoping to uh, develop relationships with those who have content. So once we buy uh, a number of uh, uh, projects uh, across the board, uh, over time, when we're ready to, uh, when we're ready to start producing, we're, we want to be able to reach out to those filmmakers and say, let's do a five picture deal exclusively for After for Africans. Uh, so that way, you know, uh, they have a job ongoing. Yeah, they exactly. Making a million dollars, but they're creating something, and it goes. It's going on a platform that's actually uh, uh, ready and willing to support them as much as possible. Yes. Yes. Totally get it. At we the end of the day, at the end of the day, you can become a public company and print money, or you could do something that's going to help the community straight into the community itself. Yes. Exactly. <clears throat> So Pierce, I wanted to have you go ahead and please share your contact information just one more time before we end the interview, just so people can have that and hear it again. Absolutely. Uh, so my name obviously is Paris Rogers. You can see it on the corner of the screen over there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you could also just go to uh, uh, the email, uh, uh, just go to uh, info at Afroflix, not Afro, Afra. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I had I had the I had to search that name. It took me eight not eight years. It took me six years to come up with that name because I really wanted a .com because I wanted it universal. I didn't want it like a .au or something like that mm -hmm. or whatever .ad or .tv. I wanted a .com and and every name of the site was taken. Mm -hmm. But uh, Afra uh, info at afraflix.com. Awesome! 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 Well, thank you again so much for your time. Thank you for what you've shared with us and for talking to us about Afroflix. Um, very much appreciated. Um, and from Austin Action Fest, we wanna say thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this. 
Um, Paris has provided his information if you want to reach out to him. And thank you all so much. Have a great evening, guys. Focus on filmmaking from idea to distribution and everything in between. We focus on you getting your project in the can and for the world to see. Thank you for listening to the Austin Action Fest podcast.